and a happy new year and a welcome to the guests that we have joining us today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael and I'm the associate pastor here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. Uh, today we're looking at Luke chapter 18 and next week we'll also be looking at a passage from Luke and looking at Luke chapter 24. I thought I would just do a short, uh, just a couple sermons just to start off and kick us off our new year. And I thought today, looking at Luke chapter 18. Uh, please have your Bibles open to our passage today. Um, Luke chapter 18, just the first eight verses. But by way of context, I'm actually going to be starting to read from Luke chapter 17, verse 20. So if you actually have your Bibles here today, or you have your Bible on your phone, can I encourage you to open up your Bible or open up your phone to Luke chapter 17, verse 20. I'll be reading that by, for a little bit of context now. So Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and this is God's word. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down and get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, 
he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the year 2022. We thank you for uh, the year that is ahead of us. And Father, we are excited for what is in store for your church cornerstone. Uh, Father, we pray this year, uh, continue to build and grow your church. Father, we pray that today as we hear in, from your word, Father, we pray grow us and build us. Uh, be with us as we come to this parable this morning. And Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, and minds that are open. And Father, we pray, I pray all to be with me, your servant, as I preach your word this morning. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Uh, have you seen the Disney movie Frozen? I, I certainly have. Our daughter Abigail is five years old, and in, in the last couple of years... I have probably watched Frozen a dozen times, if not more. Uh, if you're familiar with the movie, just as I am, uh, one of the first few songs is, Do You Want to Build a Snowman? Uh, in this song, Anna knocks on the door of her sister, and she asks her older sister Elsa if she wants to build a snowman. Uh, for years, Anna knocks on her sister's door. And she asks and she pleads to her sister to come out. She sings to her, some company is overdue and that she has even started talking to the pictures on the wall. But after 10 years of trying, of 10 years of pleading, of asking Elsa if she wants to build a snowman and having been continually told to go away, Anna, Anna eventually gives up. Her persistence comes to an end, and she no longer knocks on Elsa's door as she just walks by it. For 10 years, Anna persisted in trying to get Elsa to come out of her room, to come out and spend some time with her. But eventually, she just gives up. I wonder... I wonder, friends, how many of us are like Anna, that we are prone to giving up. When we have been hitting our head against a brick wall, or we are just not seeing results, are we just throwing the towel? And we say, it's too hard. It's just too hard. And I want us to think, I want us to consider, if we are prone to doing this at all, within our Christian walk? How many of us go through a season perhaps of taking a break from church or perhaps no longer persisting and living for the Lord Jesus? I once knew a person come every January, they would go and leave for several weeks uh, during the summer and they would just give themselves a break from life. But not just from life, all things to do with the church, all things to do with Jesus. Another person I knew, when they fell on hard times, when they were going through various mental challenges, instead of finding comfort in God, instead of finding rest in Him, uh, they were encouraged by their therapist to take a break from church, to take a break from all things to do with Christ. And sadly, they did. 
Uh, perhaps we aren't exactly like these two people I described here. But perhaps there are things in our life that we have stopped, that we are no longer persisting in. Good Bible reading habits, praying to God, combating sin. Uh, for us, the list may go on. We may not put our faith on hold, but perhaps we have stopped. Perhaps we are no longer being persisting in our Christian walk and living faithfully, completely for Christ. Christian, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you that Jesus knows that walking in His ways, He knows that living for Him wasn't always going to be easy. He knows this. He knows that the Christian life can be a hard path to walk. Our friends, we live in a fallen world where there is sin, where there is disaster, where there is persecution, where there is sickness, and where there is death. Jesus knows that as the Christian waits to be with him, or better yet, as the Christian waits for his return, Jesus knows that the Christian life is going to be hard. And he knows that there will be times that we are prone to want to give up. And Jesus wants to tell us, tell each of us at this point, don't be like Anna. Don't give up. Don't just walk past that door. He says to each of us, keep persisting. But the question we ask is, what is Jesus asking specifically from us? In what ways does he want us to keep persisting? Oh, Jesus wants us to persist in living for him, praying for his kingdom and praying for his return. We read out um, chapter 17 from verse 20 to give us a bit of context that prior to this parable, the Pharisees went to Jesus asking when the kingdom of God would come. And he proceeds to tell them that the Son of Man will come without warning. No one knows the day or the hour, but Jesus tells the Christian, as you wait for my return, as you wait for my return, don't give up. And he tells his, his disciples, until the Son of Man returns, the days ahead of you will be like the days of Noah. The days ahead of you will be like the days of Lot. What does this mean? Why does Jesus say this? Well, Jesus is saying to us that we live in a fallen world where there will be unrighteousness, where there will be wickedness. And Jesus is trying to communicate, he's trying to tell us that this will be widespread. But he encourages each of us in the midst of living in a fallen world to keep living for and praying for his return. Keep praying for his kingdom. So to encourage the Christian, Jesus tells us this parable. To encourage us to always pray. To encourage us to never grow weary. And in this parable, I want us to notice three characters. The first the pompous judge, the second, the persistent widow, and then third, the philanthropic God. Let's look at our first character, the pompous judge. In verse 2, Jesus says, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared 
what people thought. Now, this doesn't sound right. Judges were meant to be men of great standing within a town. They could have been a religious leader or perhaps an elder in that town. And their duty was to save the Israelites from their enemies, to preserve domestic harmony, to uphold justice. They were to protect the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner. But the judge we meet, the judge in our parable, he doesn't fit this mold of what one would expect. He is a man that does not fear God, nor have any love for his fellow man. What is Jesus trying to tell us by introducing us to this pompous judge? He's setting the scene for his disciples, for us, that until the Son of Man returns, until Jesus returns, unrighteousness will be widespread. It saddens us to hear when we hear stories of corruption and injustice, doesn't it? Our hearts cry out when we see it happen. We often say to ourselves, it shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be like this. A few years ago, I met a man named John Button, and I heard his story about he was, how he was falsely imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. In 2002, he was vindicated and compensated, but this took almost 40 years to happen. In 1963, he was charged for his girlfriend's death. In his talk, he spoke about the hardships of losing his girlfriend, the police forcing a false confession out of him, his time in prison, and the depression that lingered many years later. He told a story that pulled on the heartstrings of all those in the audience. And it pained. It pained those of us listening because we felt a great injustice was caused. A great injustice was caused against this man and it took years of his life away from him. It pains us to hear when our justice, our justice system fails us, doesn't it? When those who have a responsibility to look after us don't. And the judge in our story, the judge in our story has failed us. The judge in our parable should be responsible for looking after those in his town. He is responsible for administering justice. But this judge has no love for those around him. And when this widow comes to him, a person whom he should care for, whom he should have compassion towards, uh, when this woman comes to him asking for justice, uh, he refuses. He just ignores her. By introducing us to this pompous, unrighteous judge who only thinks of himself, Jesus is wanting us to know what things will be like during these last days as we wait for the return of the Son of Man. That until he returns, until Christ returns, there will be unjust people. There will be unjust acts there will be unrighteousness. That the days ahead of us will be like the days of Lot, the days of Noah, where people will be lovers of self, being hated and hating one another. But what does Jesus tell us to do in the midst of living in an unrighteous and fallen world? Well, he tells us, don't give up. And he introduces us to the persistent widow. Verse 3, we meet a woman who has come to this judge 
petitioning him to give her justice against her adversary. Our widows were among the most forgotten people in ancient societies, often treated poorly, destined for a life of slavery or begging or of prostitution. However, a widow in God's eyes were among those who deserved his special care and his protection. In the book of James, we read that God cares for the widow and the orphan, and he wants his people to care for them too. It was therefore this judge's responsibility to care for this widow in the midst of her tragedy. What was her tragedy? What wrong has happened? Who has wronged her? Uh, We aren't told. Uh, We could have a guess that it might be something financial, or she is not receiving the proper care that is owed to her by her guardian redeemer. Uh, We don't know. All we know is that her adversary is still alive and she wants justice. And verse 3 tells us that our widow is continually coming to this man, this pompous, unrighteous judge, and she is asking for justice. How is she continually coming to him? We don't know. We don't know what this looks like. But perhaps every day at 8 a.m. as he leaves her work, she is there, waiting. When he arrives home from work at 6 p.m. that day, she is there, waiting. On Saturdays, when he goes out for his afternoon stroll, guess who's there? Well, she is, waiting. Uh, This widow is continually coming to this man every time she sees this man, and she asks for justice. But verse 4 tells us that initially, as this woman comes to him, that he refuses her request. He just ignores her. He refuses to help her, for he neither fears God nor cares what people Think of him. But then he says this in verse 5. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Uh, Now verse 5 is not suggesting that this widow is prone to violence and that she is going to put on some brass knuckles and punch this judge in the nose. And verse 5 could be translated as, I will give her justice so that she will not continually come and wear me out. What this judge is trying to say is that this widow's relentlessness, her persistence is making him tired. She is making him grow weary. Our parents are familiar with the relentlessness and persistence of their children. Uh, How many parents here are familiar with the morning, the afternoon, and evening questions of their children? Mommy, mommy, mommy. Why does? Daddy, daddy, daddy. Can we? Mommy, mommy, mommy. How does? Uh, It can get a bit much, can't it? Parents will sometimes say to the other, I just need a break. I just need 20 minutes, 20 minutes to be alone by myself, 20 minutes to recharge. And you know what has happened, don't you, when a parent is asking the other parent for a 20-minute break? Uh, They have grown tired. Uh, They have grown weary. Uh, They have had enough. Uh, That is what our judge is experiencing. He is experiencing a relentless and persistent widow coming to him and asking for justice, and he is tired. He's had enough. And our passage is saying to us, be like that persistent child. Be like that persistent widow. 
Our passage is not saying be annoying to those around you. If someone is bothering you, just be persistent and annoying towards them. No, 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 our passage is not saying that. Nor is our passage saying be annoying to God. But our passage is saying that the character of this persistent widow is however an exhortation to God's people to not give up, to not give up in the face of hardships, to not give up in the face of unrighteousness, to not give up in the face of injustice. As God's people live in a fallen world, sometimes we will find it hard. We will find it hard to persist, find it hard to keep living for Jesus. And this parable is for the Christian. It's an exhortation to the Christian to keep persevering, to not give up in the midst of hardships. But why? Why should the Christian keep persisting? Why should they keep going? Because justice will come. And this brings us to our third character, the philanthropic God. Have a look now with me at verse 6 and 7. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Jesus says, look at this unjust judge. He was pompous. He was unrighteous. For an undisclosed time, he just ignored this poor and neglected widow. But look, he eventually gave her justice. But Jesus says, God isn't like that. God isn't an, an unjust judge. God is just. God is good. He is compassionate. He is kind. And He is loving. God will give justice. Our reading from Isaiah reminds us that those who trust in the Lord, who come to Him, He will provide them justice. He will set them free and release them from their captivity. Jesus is God's chosen instrument to save and provide hope for his people. Uh, Jesus did this first and foremost by dying for his people. On the cross, Jesus died for his people. He set them free from sin. And this Jesus is the one whom God has chosen to administer justice. When Jesus returns, he will punish wickedness. He will punish unrighteousness. When the Son of Man returns, when Jesus returns, He will come to judge sin and to administer justice. And those who are united to Jesus, those whom Jesus has died for, he, they will receive the reward promised to them for their faithfulness. But until that time, until that time when Jesus returns, Jesus has promised that he will continue to care for his people, that he will continue to provide for his people. But what does this care look like? What does this provision look like? Does it mean that when we pray to Jesus that he will give us whatever we want? No. The care and provision spoken about in this passage must be put in the context of Christ's coming kingdom, that Christ will continue to help and provide those whom he has died for. He will continue to help them in the midst of their hardships. He will continue to care for them in their trials by helping the Christian to persevere. Christian, he who has died for you, will he not continue to help you as you live in a fallen world? 
a world filled with sin, a world filled with unrighteousness? Of course he will. Of course he will. Jesus will continue to help you as a father picks up their child who has fallen down and dusts them off. We ask, wouldn't Jesus do that for us? Of course he will. As we deal with trials, as we deal with hardships, as we deal with living in a fallen world, he will help us to walk in this fallen world by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus will pick us up when we have fallen down. He will take us by the hand and he will lead us. He will help us. But the question Jesus asks of us is, will we give him his hand and hold on to it? As Jesus takes us by the hand, will we follow him where he leads us? Verse 8 says, However, when the Son of Man, Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? In other words, Christian, in the midst of trials and hardships, when things get hard in our Christian walk, will we remain faithful? Will we still be depending on Jesus? Will we still be living for the kingdom? Will we still be praying for his return? Or will we be like Anna? from the movie Frozen? Will we walk by the door that we once so persistently knocked upon? As Jesus asks his disciples, will he still find his people standing strong? Will he still find his people being faithful? Or will he find them tired, having grown weary? As Jesus is asking each of us, are we remaining faithful? Are we continuing to persist in our trials and against our adversaries? Are we continuing to see God and to follow Him? Are we persisting and praying for His kingdom and His return? Now, every Christian wants to remain in the strong embrace of God. Just as a parent starts walking away, no child wants to be left behind. So the question we ask is, how do we ensure that our hand is being led by the Lord Jesus? That we have taken His hand and that we are following Him? Well, I have two suggestions to bring from our passage to keep us remaining faithful. The first is, keep praying. Keep praying. Jesus says that we need to keep praying to God. We need to keep depending on Him and asking for His help, His care, His provision. And God answers our prayers. He will give us freedom. He will give us justice. He does this in part through the work of our Lord Jesus, through Christ's death and resurrection. And He continues to help us and strengthen us right now by the power of His Holy Spirit. And He will complete this work at Jesus' return. Our parable is saying that God will not disappoint us and that the prayers we have brought before him, he will answer. Jesus says that God is good. God is loving. God is just. And he delights from hearing our prayers. He who chose you, he who died for you, he who redeemed you, will he not continue to, to help you as a father helps their child who has fallen down? Of course he will. So keep praying. Keep praying for renewal 
Keep praying for restoration for this broken world. Keep praying that his kingdom would come. Keep praying that the name of Jesus would be known. Keep praying that justice would be seen. Keep praying that the captives would be set free. Keep praying that people would come to the knowledge of the saving work of Jesus. And it doesn't need to be long-winded prayers. As Nathaniel mentioned in his kids' talk, it can just be an arrow prayer, a quick prayer to God saying, Lord, help us. Oh, praise you, dear Lord, for what you are doing in my life and the life of others. Jesus wants us to keep praying to him, to keep persevering for him as we wait for his return. And the second suggestion that I want to bring to us from our passage is to stay fresh. Jesus asks us to keep persisting and to not grow weary. And a great way of not growing weary, friends, is by staying fresh, to find those things that will invigorate you, that will energize you in your Christian walk. And for each of us, this will be different. For some, it will be immersing ourselves in God's Word. It will be the reading of Scripture. And for others, it will be listening to podcasts or to sermons. Uh, for you, perhaps it's reading a good Christian book or reading a biography of one of the giants of our faith. Or maybe it's listening to Christian music. Or maybe it's fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to suggest to you, find those things that will help you to stay fresh. Find those things that will invigorate you, that will energize you to keep going and that won't make you grow weary. Uh, the Christian walk has its challenges. Uh, the Christian walk has its difficulties. Uh, we live in a broken world where there is injustice, where there is wickedness, where there is pain, where there is suffering, where there is persecution, and where there is death. And our Lord knows this. But Jesus' message to each of us is to keep persisting, keep coming to Him, keep relying on Him. Don't just walk past that door, but keep knocking. Keep going. Don't grow weary. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you first and foremost for uh, your great mercy that was shown to us, shown to the Christian by our Lord Jesus in him dying for us, in him taking our sin and our punishment um, from us and onto him on the cross. Father, we want to give you thanks and praise for that. Uh, Father, as we wait to just be with our Lord Jesus, or we um, wait for His return. Father, You know uh, what's ahead of us. You know the trials that we're going through now, or the trials that are before us. And Father, we pray that by Your Spirit that You would help us to continue to persevere. Help us to continue to live for You, to pray for You, pray for the return of Your kingdom, the return of the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that Your kingdom would come, Father, we pray for the gospel to go out. Father, we pray, use us, your church, in this great work. Father, we want to pray for those in our midst that are going through trials and hardships now. And Father, we pray for them. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help them and empower them and strengthen them by your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would be with each of us also um, as we walk on this path that you have set before us. Help us by your Holy Spirit to continue to walk that path, to be faithful to you. And Father, we thank you for how the Lord Jesus helps us and leads us every step of the way. It's in his name we pray. Amen.